Knowledge Products presents Morality in Our Age, narrated by Robert Guillaume. This is Human Rights and Civil Rights. One of history's most famous expressions of rights is found in the United States Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. These familiar, ringing words were written by Thomas Jefferson, and they express a fundamental idea of American government. Every U.S. citizen is declared to have certain inalienable rights, and each citizen is equal to all other citizens in the benefits and duties associated with these rights. This is not a declaration about national glory or cultural expression or history. It is a declaration of the moral idea that every individual has certain human rights and that the United States government was founded precisely to secure and protect these rights. This was a revolutionary idea in 1776, and it has had far-reaching implications for the way we govern ourselves. So what exactly are rights, and how do we know if they really do exist? There are many different types of rights, and there can easily be disagreement or confusion about what rights are, where they come from, and what they mean. In a fundamental sense, a right is a kind of claim or title to something that cannot justly be denied. Many rights are established and guaranteed by the law. These rights can be expanded or withdrawn by changing the law according to established political and legal processes. Every country has laws that grant numerous legal rights, such as rights to vote, to get married, to enter commercial contracts, or to be equally protected by the laws. Legal rights are therefore what the government says they are, as determined by a country's political culture and expressed through its laws. As we will see later in our discussion, these legal rights are often rooted in moral principles or beliefs about how human societies are properly ordered. Some legal rights are really powers. For example, the right to make a contract is a legal power to enter agreements that will be enforced by the courts. For instance, if you contract for a batch of political signs to be delivered to your yard, you can take the sign company to court if it doesn't deliver them. When you exercise a power, such as the power of contract, the government promises to stand behind you so that your action is effective against someone who has injured you. Some rights are really liberties. For example, you have a free speech right to express support for a political candidate by putting a sign on your front lawn, and your neighbor cannot interfere with that right. 
no one can legitimately stop you from exercising a liberty right, which is a negative right, that is, a right not to be interfered with. At the same time, no one must help you do what you are free to do. So your neighbor is not obligated to help you put up a sign or to express yourself in other ways you may choose. Another way of thinking about rights is to distinguish between negative rights and positive rights, or liberties and entitlements. Where a liberty is a right to be left alone, an entitlement can be described as a right to receive assistance from others to fulfill something you can't do for yourself. In a broad sense, virtually all rights are entitlements, in the sense that they are things to which we are legally or morally entitled. But the word entitlement has taken on a more specific meaning that involves economic and social conditions. During the 20th century in the United States, this class of rights has grown much larger. Entitlements now include Social Security and Medicare for the elderly, or welfare and Medicaid for the poor. Clearly, there are many people who cannot adequately provide for their own education, housing, and health care. To claim these things as rights usually means that someone else must pay taxes to fulfill these rights through public programs. In other words, the so-called entitlement rights, or positive rights, impose a duty on others to provide what a needy person is entitled to have. This duty inevitably reduces the income others would enjoy if there were no tax burden to pay for broad social benefits. So, there has emerged a powerful social conflict about positive entitlement rights and the degree to which they should impose on the negative liberty rights of those who must pay. In fact, all rights impose a type of duty on others if nothing more than a duty to respect your rights and to not interfere as you exercise those rights. For example, if you are at liberty to move to a new state, others cannot block or otherwise prevent you from moving. In this example, the police also have a positive duty to stop anyone who tries to prevent you from moving. Viewed that way, legal rights essentially amount to a system of legal duties, to believe in legal rights is to believe that people have legal duties toward one another. The philosopher Joel Feinberg thinks that rights are essentially our way of acknowledging and expressing respect for others. Having rights enables us to stand up like men, to look others in the eye, and to feel in some fundamental way the equal of anyone. To think of oneself as the holder of rights is not to be unduly, but properly proud. To have that minimal self-respect that is necessary to be worthy of the love and esteem of others. Indeed, respect for persons may simply be respect for their rights, so that there cannot be the one without the other. Feinberg believes that when individuals assert their rights, they are pronouncing themselves to be worthy and fully equal, and they are demanding that others acknowledge this as well. 
Sexual harassment is a good example of an issue where changing beliefs and attitudes have created a changing perception of rights. For years, crude or suggestive remarks in American society were not seen as a violation of a woman's rights. Some saw it as behavior on a par with rudeness, and others saw it as little or no problem at all. Now, such treatment of women in the workplace is generally regarded as a violation of a woman's right not to be discriminated against. This recognition that a right is involved has tended to deepen the sense that women's dignity and worth should be respected in a new way. One aspect of a rights claim is that it excludes any need to compromise or to negotiate much as there's no need to negotiate over whether your paycheck is yours once you have earned it. To use Feinberg's phrasing, a woman who asserts her right against sexual harassment is looking others in the eye and insisting that she is their equal. So the existence of a right marks a difference in perspective. Rights focus on the person to whom duty is owed. When society recognizes or acknowledges that someone has a right, it accords that right holder...